How do you prepare for death? Some people have no problem with it. They make out their will, talk to a financial planner about what happens with their estate, decide which of their kids gets the good jewelry. For instance, here's something my mother has said to me many times. Kathy gets the diamonds since they're her birthstone. You get the opals. But don't worry, I'm putting a couple of diamonds aside for you too. The closest I've gotten to planning for my own death is a note on my iPhone. It constitutes all the thought I can bear to put into the subject. It reads in full, If I die, cremate me. I want a non-religious memorial outside. My former pastor Tom can say something at the memorial, but it has to be about life on earth, not heaven. Sean should scatter my ashes somewhere I've never been, and he has to not kill himself ever. And, if at all possible, name a sandwich after me. This is Stupid Human Suits. We are back with Stupid Human Suits. Yay! Yay! Uh, our guest today, we are super excited to have uh, this gentleman with us uh, because it is the the probably the most connected to the issues that we tend to talk to t- yeah. talk about on the show. Uh, our guest today is uh, Robert Ruggiero. Uh, Bobby. He told me I could call him Bobby. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to call him Mr. Ruggiero, Ruggiero. because I have respect. Uh, he's the executive director of the Metropolitan Funeral Directors Association, and his family has been in the funeral service industry for five generations. Five. Yes. Which is longer than anybody I know has done anything in any single family. <laughs> uh, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. I yeah. appreciate it. You were very kind to be on our silly little show. Thank you. Um, let's. Uh, do you want to start with a, a fun little segment to kick us off here? Yeah, I think a, a fun segment is the way to start <laughs> off a conversation about death. Yes, I think so. Uh, what are we doing? We're going we're to do, gonna a- do a My First Time. Okay. So yeah. this is where we ask our esteemed visitors if they have a specific memory from childhood or growing up um, where they understood that death was a thing and that it was something that, you know, happens to everyone and to pets and stuff. Do you have a specific memory of that or given your family's yeah. business I mean, were like you just waking up? Yeah. Uh, considering the fact that you, we literally grew up in the funeral home, uh, it didn't seem odd to me to ride my tricycle through the reposing chapel upstairs on the second floor <laughs> because that's what you did. Yeah. You, you went to work with mom and dad in the morning. Uh, this was pre, uh, preschool age mm-hmm. and you stayed in the building and you weren't allowed basically to go outside because they were at work. You, they, you were in the building, mm-hmm. a rather large building. So you played in the chapels. You rode your bicycle through the funeral home, <laughs> you threw the balls against the wall, and wow. your friends thought you were weird. They <laughs> it, was, it was tough to get a playmate to come over oh, and hang out with you. No! No yeah. sleepovers. Yeah. No sleepovers, no. <laughs> That's like, there's something very shining about that. The shining, <laughs> just riding a tricycle through an empty pews. Now, did you, um, uh, did you see dead bodies as a, a child? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in the reposing room that they would want us to go hang out in and play, mm-hmm. uh, frequently that was the vacant room, but downstairs in the other chapel there was somebody there wow. who passed away. Can you, t- can you tell us how... Um, a, w- w- so when we say funeral home, what is in a funeral home? Just, could you tell us, walk us through the rooms? Okay. What a funeral... Let's go back in time then. If you go back to prior to World War II, mm-hmm. the person passed away and the funeral director would prepare the remains off-site. They managed uh, at this point in time to now remove the remains from the person's place of residence. Prior, Even prior to that, they used to embalm the bodies right in the home. 
They would carry the individual from his place of death into the bathroom. In the bathtub, they would prepare the body. Uh, Yeah, with all mechanically induced machinery that was either hand-driven or pump-driven by foot. Yeah, and they would embalm the body right there in the the, uh, the bathroom. That's the the beyond part of Bed Bath & Beyond. (laughs) Yeah. What uh, what is the uh, so in that with that and what you just described is that considered those are the mortuary sciences that is the embalming and the the dealing with that yes uh, yes so what's so can you uh, before we get to the other rooms even could you tell us the difference between so you're a, you're a funeral director yes does that include some of that work with embalming and that over, sort of thing? over the generations of time it's transformed uh, it's migrated from being a funeral director which is what we are today, mm-hmm. and going backwards, you, you used to be one of a choice of either. Either you were an embalmer or a funeral director. Oh, okay. Or you were just a, a caretaker, basically. And my great-grandfather was one of the few people who was one of the uh, earliest embalmers back in the eight, late 1800s, early 1900s. Wow. He was taught how to uh, embalm a dead body by a Civil War doctor wow. who would prepare remains. Oh, my God. Yeah, to ship them back home. And is this Francesco Ruggiero the, who yes. founded the company? Yes. Okay. Wow. So we're going way back. And, yeah. of course, back then, there wasn't the, the three-day wakes and there wasn't any of the long. It was still pretty much what people uh, kept this, what we would call today simple. Mm-hmm. People, a person passed away today, mm. they would have some sort of washing and posing of the individual on his uh, sofa or in the bedroom. Mm. Friends and relatives would come and pay their respects. The next morning would be the religious service and the burial is usually, you know, within 48 hours it was uh, over. As time went on and lives became more complicated, people traveled, they weren't uh, in in the community. Mm. Uh, So embalming became necessary Mm -hmm. to be able to keep the remains uh, preserved for for a period of time. So just as they did during the Civil War, the soldiers were killed on the battlefield, the doctors would embalm them, and then ship them home by rail. That could take two or three weeks sometimes. So it started with embalming, took a break, and then embalming came back when people spread out. Well, I didn't say it took a break. It became uh, mainstream. Okay, yeah. 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 Uh, Where before was kind of relegated to the the military only, and then the the general public picked up on it. That is like, and that's again. That's why you're here because this is something I, we would never ever know. And it's and it's such. It seems crazy, right? That like, look, we're we're all gonna die, and we know nothing about the process that goes into what happens when you die. Yeah. yeah. Well, this. So your childhood sounds. And please forgive me because this is probably a terrible comparison that everyone makes. It sounds like the show Six Feet Under to me. Um, like, like basically, you grew up <laughs> in this house, and there's the embalming downstairs, and and the the parlors upstairs. The, like. gen, the general concept, yes. Six feet under, <laughs> the dysfunction. The, no. Yes, the dysfunction. Well, they were even beyond the Ruggiero, So <laughs> nine feet under. Yeah. You'll show you six feet. So you walk in. You, generally, you walk in, and there's like a nice uh, a nice foyer, right? Right. There's and, a reception area. Okay, reception. You'd area. You'd be greeted by a floor person, mm-hmm. and who you would. Ask of them who you here to visit, which family would you like to speak to, mm-hmm. and you'd be a chauffeur. Uh, I'm sorry, not chauffeur. You'd be escorted through the building to the proper room and introduced mm-hmm. to the family. And there are various rooms so that at our chapels we could handle um, multiple families up to about six. Oh wow! And depending how busy we are, how many uh, funerals we have at the same time, uh, that floor person would direct the uh, the visitor accordingly. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. 
You um, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's very nice. That's I very know. progressive of you. I'm a husband. <laughs> He's married. <laughs> um, so when you're growing up around this, did um, like how did your parents explain the family business to you? Were they just very matter-of-fact about it? Did they kind of sit you down to really take you through it? Do you remember that? It was kind of a matter of fact mm-hmm. and I can admit that I did have problems as a little boy um, and my grandfather just explained it to me one day he came you know and he says Sonny I understand you're not sleeping at night I said, well grandpa I'm kind of scared of this that he says to me well he says if I died would you be afraid of me I said no why would I be afraid of you you're my grandfather he said just somebody else's grandfather oh, oh wow that's yeah. a great way to do it yeah and it was like that day, it, it turned around. It's like, wow, that's not that mysterious yeah. thing sitting in the casket over there. Uh, it was another person. Yeah. yeah. That's really yeah fascinating. I think a, a lot of the problem kids have is just kind of that shroud of mystery yes. around it. And not yes. I, that's always been the problem for me is not knowing something, but knowing that there's something to know <laughs> and, you, and you just don't get it yet. Yeah. Um, so who does uh, – so you if, – if somebody comes in – Again, maybe maybe you can walk us through this too. Let, let, let's say there's a, uh, you know, there's a a, a bad accident, and the, the 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 corpse needs to. Is that do you call it a corpse? Uh, the body. The body. Mm-hmm. You know, the body. Uh, like if it's a bad accident, say in a car accident, like does do, do the does the city collect the body, keep it, and then like when the family decides which funeral home, then it's transferred, or does do they have to make that call right away? I'll, I'll- I'll walk you through the process. Mm-hmm. What generally happens is the incident takes place. Uh, the police are notified. They would make the notification to the family mm-hmm. that the event has taken place. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, behind the scenes, either the ambulance removed the individual from the scene or the medical examiner's team would have gone there and they would have brought the body to the mortuary. Uh, an autopsy would be conducted if the remains did die of an accidental situation. Uh, and at that time... The family is researching either through questions or they already have a family funeral director where they're going to go and who they're going to choose to represent them for these funeral arrangements. Mm-hmm. And that's where once they engage the funeral home, that's when we, uh, I guess, go into action. Mm-hmm. And you really sort of uh, like part of your job is to kind of take the initiative for them, right, and kind of walk them through things because oh, there's so I imagine there's so much you would never think of when you're stuck in that moment in dealing a, with a deceased family or friend. In a situation like that, picture this giant funnel of this cacophony of details and confusion, and, yeah. and it's all trying to be funneled down into a finished program or a finished mm-hmm. product. And that's what we do, is mm-hmm. we have to sit there with the individuals, garner their thoughts and ideas in in retrospect to what the person yeah. how he lived his life what he might have wanted to do mm-hmm. and go off in that direction kind of bring all the pieces together as you're right. moving forward what is it like um and an accident old age or whatever the the person has uh passed away from what is that initial conversation like with a family member when they come in uh, like is there some small talk to try to just like yeah. make things relaxed or is it different every time it depends mm-hmm. well most families will call, pick up the phone and call mm-hmm. and say, this is Mrs. Smith. Uh, I lost my mom. She's uh, at such and such nursing facility. And can we come in and speak to a funeral director? Frequently, too, people don't even uh, think about making a, pre- a preliminary phone call. Mm-hmm. They just walk in the building and mm-hmm. say, you know, mom passed. Can I speak to a director? And that's when we kind of need to stop what we're doing and reorganize ourselves. Right. Yeah, and 
and help them uh, with it with their situation. And the very first thing we do is we try to offer some sort of solace or comfort to, mm-hmm. to them because they are in a state of confusion. They are upset. And I'd say to them, gee, Sean, I'm sorry to hear about your loss. Trust me, we're going to do everything we need to do to bring this situation under control and keep everybody, uh, keep the head screwed on straight, so to mm-hmm. speak. And we go from there. And from that, we go upstairs. We talk about some personal particulars, where you lived, um, your Social Security, and all that data that yeah. the, the, all the agencies are looking for. Mm-hmm. God, it sounds like, you know, uh, the amount of emotional energy you must expend just uh, helping other people keep themselves together and uh, in in the moments when you're interacting I mean it, it's do you feel drained at the end of every week oh without a doubt <laughs> without a doubt and it's unfortunate because the media has a tendency and mm-hmm. I don't want to say anything because <laughs> we're on media but they have we are the media <laughs> they have a tendency to paint us as these wooden objects yeah um, very stoic yeah, 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 yeah. That's sort of what I think of too. Right, and, and we're not. You know, it's we take some of it home with us. It, mm. Obviously, it's different when someone comes in and says, "You know, Grandma passed away, and she's ninety-two years old." Yeah. Well, okay, she's lived through her life, but to have someone come to you from a cancer facility and the little boy is six—that's oh, rough. Yeah, God. those are rough. I mean, does it? Does it? I mean, feel free to just pass, but like, does it spill over into family life? Uh, not necessarily in an ugly way, but just like a burdensome way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm, of course, you come home, you're a little uh, half click off a of, off of center, shall we say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? yeah. And of course, you're bringing home. And are you like, do you find personally, are you able to like, say you come home and you just, you're wrapped up in this. Are you able to express that? Like, like, uh, it. Or do you just kind of have to sit with it and let it... Yeah, do you, do you shut down or do you like yeah. you feel what you feel for a while? Well, we can tannerize it in a bottle called Pinot Grigio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the grapes. Yes. The grapes. The grapes are calling. Oh. All kidding aside, there's, no, there's days where you just got to go home and sit in a chair and stare out in space and like, you know, get glue yourself back together. That's what I would think it would be. And that, yeah, you're right. Is like the idea you have of a funeral director is that sort of, uh, let me escort you in here, and uh, we have uh, you know some velvet cotton right. for the background, and that right. that's all you really know from. And unfortunately, some of the students that come through the yeah. system walk in with that premonition too. Mm. Uh, my dad, when he was about to retire, he was 75, and he sat behind the desk, and he greeted all the friends and relatives mm. and everybody he knew from the neighborhood. And so I had this young whippersnapper. He's still serving his apprenticeship. And I said to him, I said, well, you need to come with me back into the lab. We've got work to do. He goes, oh, no. He says, I'm here with Mr. Ajiro. Uh, I know that, but my dad is, he's got it under control, trust me. He's been doing this a few years, about 60 years. Uh, you come with me in the lab. He said, well, you know, I, I, I know I went to a school, but I really, that wasn't my calling. I I was going to want to stay up here with your dad. Uh, I said, buddy, let me tell you something. My father already did 50 years in the lab with me. I said, that's why he sits at that desk now. I yeah. said, you're coming with me. <laughs> you're <laughs> well, getting your hands dirty. You're getting yeah. your hands dirty. Well, you might as well or see cold. the handwriting on the wall now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How was it? So when you, when you go into the lab, what, what are sort of the things that... Uh, take place in the in a modern you know funeral home lab um to keep it succinct sure what we do is we 
disinfect the remains, mm -hmm. and replace the blood with a preservative uh, chemical known mm -hmm. as embalming fluid. Okay. What that does is that can either stave off the decomposition process for a limited period of time or could prevent it for eternity, depending on the condition of the remains when you started and mm -hmm. a, a million other around. And how do you disinfect? Is it just, uh, I mean, uh, like, is it just swabs, like that sort of thing? Uh, a bath. A bath. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. No, it's, it's just a bath. the whole thing. Okay. It's the, the washing and the, the embalming process. All in all, takes about three to four hours yeah. to prepare wow. our remains. I mean, that's why I said I'll keep it the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Wow. And is, that, is it the same whether um, a person is uh, actually being buried or cremated? Is it basically the same sort of process? Because you're really just preparing them for the viewing and what? Each one is different because mm -hmm. if they're... If it's going to be a simple cremation with it, there is no viewing, no one wants to see the remains, then right. obviously we just containerize the individual so right. that there isn't any bodily fluids leaking. Or things and like you that. can do that on the premises as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, I was reading that um, it so more and more people are choosing cremation these days. How has that changed? Why are people choosing that more, do you think? Is it, it, it finances? Is it, it just... Mm. Carol is being driven by a number of different mm -hmm. uh, reasons. One is that just the general public's perception of cremation itself has changed. The church was a strong the Catholic Church was a strong influence on not going with cremation mm -hmm. up until 1960s, when Pope John said it's okay for Christians to be cremated. Gotcha. It took yet another 20, 25 years for that information to get out into the mainstream public yeah, because we still had people coming in like 1980 and 1990 saying, well, you know, Grandma wanted to be cremated, but I know we won't be able to go to church. No, that's not right. Mm -hmm. But again, the, the same reason why you're having this podcast is because you're trying to get information yeah. out there. That information wasn't available to right. people, and we were constantly coaching them and guiding them in, in a direction. But finances are a definitive reason why they're doing this. I mean, the economy... Regardless of what they say, it ain't better yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are a lot of people that are doing it simply for dollars and cents. They right. just can't afford uh, a, a traditional funeral. Yeah. Is that the most frustrating conversation to have with people who come in just having to talk about the money because you feel like, how do you feel about like when you have to talk about the money? Does it feel like a, a necessary evil? Is it, how does it feel for you? It, it's a necessary evil. I yeah. mean, everything in life there's a cause and an effect and the same thing where there's a product and it, or a service, there's an expense related to it. And you kind of need to gently tiptoe around that, but yet be informative and definitive yeah. in the presentation. I realized that grandma wanted to be buried at such and such cemetery, but a new grave at that cemetery is $7,000. And they're like, oh my God, just the grave. Yeah, yeah. just the grave you're looking wow, at. Wow, for real. Yeah. Peace Earth burial here in New York in the New York metro area. You're looking at seven to ten thousand dollars just oh my for the grave space. God, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you think about back in the day, people used to have the, oh, we have the family plot, which mm -hmm. always seemed so grim to me Macabre. that you like you know where you're going to be buried and someone's there and oh, I'm going to be right there next to him. I just I couldn't even process that. But you know, uh, my when my mother's uh, mother died, uh, my, my maternal grandmother is what you would call mm -hmm. her um she used to joke that she didn't want to be buried because uh, she and i have the same thing when we sleep at night we have to have one leg out from under the covers <laughs> yeah, otherwise we feel like we can't breathe yeah. okay and she was like look if you put me in a coffin you're gonna have to saw a hole into the side of it because i'm gonna need my leg out 
but I, she was cremated, and she's at a very a, like a beautiful cemetery. But she's in um, uh, the mausoleums a where col- they ha- columbarium. yeah yeah where the, it's right. like one it's a grid right of people, and it I find it so depressing. I, I mean, it's beautiful, but at the same time, it's mm. it yeah. feels like she's filed away. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You know what, Carol? Whether She's cremated and placed in what's called a niche. Mm-hmm. That's and, what they call the... What it's it, a niche. The, the, the one single spot is called a niche, and, and the building is called a columbarium. Uh, whether she's in a niche or she's in a mausoleum, where those are the, the drawers. Uh-huh. Right, right. It, okay. Or she's in an earth burial, it's a spot yeah. Yeah. where the individual is placed. Yeah, that you can go. And it's more for the people who are living who want to go have a place to remember her, right? Like that's... Actually, it's the right thing to do. Mm. I mean, I don't want to no, sound no. like a salesman or in cremated remains have become such a problem in the past thirty years mm. because people are under the impression that when they're given back cremated remains, that they are ashes, quote unquote, like cigar ashes. Dust them around, pulverize them, blow on them, and they're, they're going to dissipate. No, what ashes are is the pulverized skeleton the skeletal remains because mm-hmm. nothing destroys the skeleton. We're still finding dinosaurs millions of years yeah. later. Mm-hmm. The bones are still intact. What cremation is doing is cremation uh, burns off all of the body, the flesh, flesh, and the organs, and what's left behind is the skeleton, and that's what is processed after the cremation is finished. Oh. The bones are pulverized into this powdery form. So they're not burned into powder and ash. You no. have to... Are they sandy? What are they like? Uh, I mean... it, it's... It's a coarse material, yeah. uh-huh. you know. Depend today because so many people are scattering their ashes. Newer machinery has come along where it's pulverized finer than it used to be. Before it was actually pieces that were almost identifiable. Pretty heavy stuff. Wow. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh chips and oh, uh, not to be graphic, yeah. but yeah. you can find a tooth in there. Ah! Wow! Yeah. So, wow. so is scattering ashes not really a great thing to do then? For a number of reasons. Uh-huh. Number one. Where do your grandchildren come or go to mm-hmm. 90 years from now when right. they say, Aunt Carol did this or Grandma yeah. did that? And so there's no place she was tossed away. <laughs> well, I mean, she's in the air. She's sweetie. in the air, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is that there's limitations. Technically, you're not supposed to scatter ashes on any public domain. Mm. You shouldn't do it on your private property because in due course, that property is going to belong to somebody else. Right. And plus, it's an emotional experience that when you start to shake that out and you realize it's not that powdery substance you thought it was, mm-hmm. it doesn't fly away in the wind. It's going to fall on your wingtips. <laughs> And now you got to get it off your shoes. And oh it's my on your God. Aunt Carol's on my shoes again. They're off. Oh, oh my God. Wow. This is this is amazing to yeah. hear. I have to this. change like, the note on my iPhone now. <laughs> as, as a matter of yeah. fact, Pope Francis last month came out with a decree, decree, whatever the Catholic yeah, Church yeah. calls it. Uh, the church no longer would accept the scattering of remains. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That the right way to dispose of the remains of a Christian individual who's been cremated is to be placed either in a niche or a columbarium or buried or, or something. Hold on to it. Or... Because there's there's a detachment that people are making which is incorrect. They seem to think that once the cremation is finished, this product that's in the can mm-hmm. is now some sort of waste product. And right. you would, if, like when when your time comes, Bobby, what you would prefer, what what would your preference be? Or do do you not want to think about it? 
<laughs> we haven't gotten that far in our range. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, the, we were talking before. Yeah. So you, you <laughs> in your profession, help people deal with uh, funerals and planning for death. And you said you just made out a will? <laughs> uh, my wife and I just made out a will. I'm turning 65 and we... I, a whole family full of funeral directors. Why would I need to write yeah, down yeah. what I want? When, Somebody's got me. Yeah, exactly. There's a whole family that does this all day long. They'll yeah. figure out something. <laughs> so Just, what was that like for you? I mean, was it emotional? Did you feel weirded out by it, making your own will? Or? Uh, mm. Not really. You know, it's emotional in the fact that we're talking about your demise and, and you know, your son and mm-hmm. uh, where we go to from here and so on and so forth. So that in itself has got its own emotional mm. toll. Uh, as far as the funeral arrangements are concerned, we still, ours are still up in the air mm-hmm. because yeah. my dad did just what you're saying. He bought a family plot for about 16 people. I don't know if I want to be there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I had to spend my entire life with these people. You got, not... <laughs> I, I got a funny little quip for you folks that you might appreciate as lay people. My dad comes in and he's very proud. He says, Rob, I got to let you know. He says, I bought a family plot. Okay, dad, where'd you buy it? And he mentions Kensico Cemetery up in Valhalla. Beautiful place, Dad. I got it because from the hill, the top of the hill where we are, you could hear the train whistle go by. He says, so for eternity, I'm going to be able to hear the train whistle because I love those trains. Dad, do you realize what you're saying? <laughs> you sound like yeah. a layperson. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dad, come like, on. Really? It's like, are you trying to sell me on it? We work in the same business, Dad. Exactly. Is well, your uh, Do you have a son? Yes. Uh, is he taking over the business? No. As a matter of fact, that's why uh, Tina and I now run the uh, association, because we uh, sold our funeral home to one of our employees. Oh. Uh, at, when you start hitting your 60s, the heavy physical labor of work mm. you can't do it any longer and by now the next generation's coming along i don't have a next generation uh so uh, speaking of the next generation of of funeral directors and uh uh and and i guess uh, morticians uh what was that we read an article about um who is it the uh, the the sh- the the kids that were practicing shaping a nose Oh. oh, the restorative arts students. Yeah, yes, yeah. Is yes. that like is that something one of the classes that is oh, part definitely. of the funeral home? Definitely. Directing? Is that like the uh, I when I was researching people to have on the show, I found a Facebook page that was a, a restorative arts program, and they had photo after photo of just students working on shaping noses, oh, that's models. And, yeah. yeah, and I was like, is that a a thing that has to be done a lot? Is that that one of the things, or it just happened to be this one place took a bunch of photos of that one class? You know, Carol, it, it's. It's an unfortunate situation when people pass away from a traumatic situation. Mm. And the family makes a decision, A, to let the embalmer do the best he can and see what we could correct. Mm-hmm. Or B, they just flat out say, look, I saw Dad. I, I, don't, I don't want anybody else to see this. And they eliminate the viewing altogether. Mm-hmm. We need to, the students, the funeral directors, all need to have a basic skill at restoring someone's likeness yeah. uh, using clay, glue, uh, anything to try to replace uh, a missing part of someone's face. Oh, there's a uh, a death mask in here. Oh, yes. Who was a funeral sciences student. Who was? The woman who sent us that. Oh, 
There's a, a because this is audio, you can't see any of this. <laughs> but there's a, on a shelf, our producer Megan just pointed to a, uh, a, a what would you call that? Just a uh, that's exactly what it is. The death, death mask. mask. Wow. wow. There's a there's literally a death mask in here and uh we just found that out yeah. and uh, this is our last podcast thanks uh, <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was just the halloween mask <laughs> yeah it was like it's like the tiki episode of uh, brady bunch i feel like are we cursed now um our uh, producer megan had an interesting question uh what do you know about new uh new orleans cemeteries where um the, they have the little stone house that the body goes in um no. i've not heard of these before the new orleans the water table is so high that for them to dig down into the earth to bury remains it's only going to basically submerge them into water and have the grave collapse and create mm. a problem so they enter the remains above ground so they create these little mausoleums above ground and enter the remains inside the mausoleum where they stay for in perpetuity i mean is oh, that wow. is that just an order of magnitude more expensive or or is uh, it just such a part of the culture down there it's you know it's leveled off it's part of the culture because there is nothing else you mm-hmm. could do yeah. You know, I mean, New Orleans is New Orleans. Yeah. You know, we can't change the topography. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are, so we also hear a lot about um, green funerals. What? Mm-hmm. How, how does that differ from a traditional funeral? And are those becoming more prevalent now? They're becoming more prevalent. People are more socially aware of the environment. Uh, it pretty much encompasses the thought of we're going to have this individual return to the elements with as little interaction as possible to prevent that from happening. There's no embalming in There's that no case. embalming. Uh, the individual, if the, he's going to be viewed, the individual is going to be viewed at any point in time. There's going to be uh, a simple washing and dressing. Maybe mm-hmm. there'll be a brief visitation period. Uh, he'll be placed in a shroud wrapped in mm-hmm. uh, some sort of garments that will uh, break down. Decompose. And placed in a, a wicker type casket or a wood a simple oh, wood. So something it does that go will, in something the, the according to, according to most cemeteries they won't accept the remains unless it's in some sort of a rigid container mm-hmm. this may be your belief that the remains need to return to the elements as quick as possible but it's not yeah. my employees responsibility to have to handle the remains right yeah. gotcha because you got to get it there somehow anyways. yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's true what is uh what's the most is what's the most surreal part of the process for you? Is is it the handling of the, like? Is there a point when you're handling the body and you just it occurs to you this is this is a dead person, or are you just like do, or is it just like nah, all right, let's get to work? No, it's it, when you reach that point, Sean. It's time for you to retire. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you might not break down emotionally at every funeral service, but when you get to the point that that's just another carcass that you need to handle, it's time for you to wow. go. Wow. All right. right. See, that's that's uh, something I was I knew I figured it would either be one, like one or the other. Like you were either going to say like, yeah, no, you should feel tons, or you should feel nothing. But that's that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. That you know, going back to what you were talking about before about the perception of people in this field is that they're they're very rigid mm-hmm. and unemotional. I would imagine you have to sort of have almost this extra extraordinary yeah. humanity to do this every day because you you are helping people through the most difficult times in their lives and, and it's a thing nobody wants to talk about and yeah. that's your entire life right i mean do you i mean that's another thing i mean do you do you wind up having uh, with your friends and family you're out like do you ever one of the things i like one of the things in my set is i'm talking about a lot is like I go to, like, and this happens all the time now. I get to a party or we're hanging out with friends. I have, like, two beers, and I am 
immediately talking about like can you believe these are the bodies we're trapped in and starting off a conversation way too heavy for a two beer party and we were like yeah i don't know uh did you see that movie he's like i know but look at look i'm moving my body i'm trapped in this i can't get out or do you like when you're with your friends and buddies or family do you guys ever have those moments uh those sort of existential like moments and, and are they pleasant or are they you know do they get grim Usually when I'm with my friends, especially I, I've got one grammar school, as a matter of fact, kindergarten buddy that I still see him. Oh, that's great. And uh, Joe, every time we run into each other, the first thing he does is he chides me about, you know, something about the work. <laughs> <laughs> but usually we try not to discuss uh, the job itself. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knows what we do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody knows how to find that's why yeah, people that's say well you don't have a Facebook page don't need Facebook <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah every, I don't, you're not gonna want to see my photos no everybody <laughs> knows where I am they find me the 18 hours a day so yeah oh my god um going back to uh the the conversations you have with people when they come in um does what you say or or even the nuts and bolts of how you plan a funeral um does it differ um for people of different faiths did you was did you predominantly just have uh, christian people come in or do you deal with a lot of different faiths that's it that's a multi answer question mm-hmm. um first off funeral service is probably the only industry in the world left that's still self segregating and not in that it's done intentionally or right. by anyone mm-hmm. it's just the fact that um, my name is Ruggiero, and mm-hmm. it's Italian Catholic. So if my name is on the outside of the building, right. someone of a different ethnic persuasion is going to say, well, you know what, that's their belief is the Catholic Church, uh, going to Mass, uh, viewing, and so on. I, I, that's not what I'm interested oh, in. And so they'll choose a different funeral home wow. with a different last name or go to a funeral home with, with a, a generic neighborhood name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that is, that is. I mean, I, I guess that seems sort of... Uh, you know, self-evident, but you wouldn't think about it no, until exactly. your time yeah. comes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we were in a, a in a blue-collar neighborhood, uh, pr- primarily uh, uh, Italian, Irish, Catholic community, and so someone of a different ethnic persuasion mm-hmm. or, or or race will walk by and say, "You know what? We're, we'll skip him." Maybe not for me. Yeah. Exactly. Did you get any non-religious people in there, or was it? Oh yeah. Very, oh, okay. And uh, so, for someone who's just not religious, does. Does the uh, the shape of how you deal with it change? Actually, Carol, we were we were not, I would say, a commercial funeral home. Mm-hmm. Probably ninety percent of our work was referral, mm. if not repeat performance through a yeah. family. Yeah. More the fact that something happened and you didn't know what to do, so your next door neighbor says, "Oh." I know the Rogeros for umpteen years. You really need to call them. They and did a lovely job with my exactly, grandmother. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we're trained in everything. We could have a, a, a Jewish funeral. We could have a Muslim funeral, a Christian, whatever. Yeah. All of us are trained basically how to respond. And then you know what? There's no shame in saying to the family, you know, folks, I'm really not a Buddhist, and nor have I been exposed to many of them. Could you help me? Yeah. Oh. What's your clergyman's name? Give me mm-hmm. his phone number. Yeah. I'll call him and we'll sit and chat for a half hour. Oh, that's See, great. That's, that's yeah. Like, do you? You must. There must be a lot of that, like going the extra mile stuff that you have to do just because it's such a. You know, it's it's the headiest of heady topics. Right. And, well, it, you need to because yeah. that's his belief, and you need to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, do you want to do, do a segment? God, you just yes. <laughs> you know I do. We're going to cut out him yelling at me. Uh, No, you know what? Let's put that on a loop. That's going to be our hit single. Rah, God! Rah, God!
How long are you guys married? Five. Five years. Wow. We were together years. for five or six years before that. Like so years. Ten. About um, ten now. I, uh, one day I had one too many drinks and forgot I said I would never marry him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, whoops. Uh, we, don't have ri- we don't have rings. We got to get those remade. We oh, had uh, wooden know. rings made. They we were had- beautiful. We had, so they, um, I found a place uh, in Chicago that makes wooden rings and you can send them the wood. So we sent them a piece of wood from Boston, New- from Boston where Boston. he's from, uh, from Birmingham, Alabama, where I'm from, and a piece from New York where we live. And they were gorgeous. And they <laughs> broke within about three or four well, yeah, months. Yeah, but why? We had, they didn't just break. Uh, we have two. We have two dogs. We had one dog at the time, but she just basically every time she like gets a toy, she brings it over, and you have to pull it out. She broke mine in the first week, and she broke <laughs> yours three months later. And we still have the wood in a bag. It's been five years. We have a bag of wood that's just hanging on a door. I think we should get like titanium yeah, or something. I think it was a nice to... gesture. We tried, Rob. Something animal proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We tried. Maybe just get like a. What are the Kong? Just get a, just double down. Get a Kong wedding ring for the puppies. They or, love it. Or, or after thirty-five years, like Tina and I, I, I just don't have a wedding. Yeah, because you're like, what? Ah, uh, something happened. We're to fine. It. I'm married. <laughs> well, no, actually, there was a, a logistical reason behind it. It's because you know, in my job, if I wash my hands 30, 40 times a day, oh, it's yeah. not uncommon. And so, yeah. I lost, and not since I'm married, but mm-hmm. when I had regular jewelry, I, I lost the pieces. I put it in a sink and. Just gone. Yeah. yeah. And so I didn't. It's not I, worth I, the trouble. Yeah. I didn't feel the gold band is what the attachment is between her and I. It's, yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's nice. so sweet. She's here, by the way. <laughs> everybody knows. She's turned us he's, down on talking yeah. three times. <laughs> he's not talking out of turn. She's hearing everything he's at. Well, let's uh, let's uh, do shut up. You want to do shut up, shut up? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Let's do shut up, shut up. She's not telling me to shut up. That we have a segment <laughs> called shut up, shut up, shut up. Um, and we've gotten into this a little bit, but um, yeah. uh, it's... Planning for your own death or a loved one's death is really difficult. Um, you know, you said you only recently made out your wills, but what would you tell people? Um, what's the most important thing to think about ahead of time? Like, if you got a spare five minutes where you, you, your mind can take pondering this, what are the things you should definitely do to to plan ahead for? All right. The, the first thing you should do is probably go get the, l- the legal affairs in order. Mm-hmm. Go seek, uh, seek the guidance of your attorney. Get the will drawn up. Get that button down first because there's a lot that is involved in that. And that's the emotional key way that kind of mm-hmm. opens up the door without broaching them directly about just walking up to them. Hey, Sean, have you made your funeral arrangements? Uh, yeah. No, I, did. <laughs> I haven't. What? Do you know something I don't know? Oh, God. Exactly. Yeah. So... And we would like the attorneys or and, and that profession, if they would broach that sometimes. When they're sitting there with their client and they're saying, you know, guys, take this home, read this over, sign it. And you know what? It wouldn't be a bad thought that now that we went this far with the legal end of it, maybe you should consider. And that's something they generally don't, the no, lawyers? Nope. That seems crazy that that's not built into the to a will-making process. Sean, if... Just percentage-wise, probably 100% of the people walked in with a will in their hand. There was nothing there about funeral. How is that possible? It's the, the attorneys never felt that that was part of their obligation or even just the concept of suggesting it to them to take that an extra step. Is that something that could be remedied with uh, legislation or is that it's just impossible? It's just lawyer to lawyer. You know what, Sean? There's... There is one advertisement that will always be thumbed past in the newspaper, (laughs) and that's the funeral home. Because we're told we're going to live forever, we're going to eat right, we're going to exercise, the whole thing. Nobody wants to speak about funeral homes, death, or uh, uh, pre-arrangements. Usually the catalyst for that is is obviously illness, 
The second thing is, is uh, here in New York State, uh, the Medicaid system, if the person is indigent and is going to require long-term extended care, uh, it's part of the requirements of the Medicaid process that they have to have a prepaid, mm. pre-need funeral uh, arrangement on file. The one, the one example where they where that's in advance. Yeah. Wow. Is it important to make all those plans? Like, like m- my parents have very detailed uh, wills and and financial planning. They they know all those aspects because they have a lot of assets. They have a lifetime. They have four kids and they have grandkids. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot they've got to prepare for. Um, Sean and I don't have. St- stuff or people but puppies and kitties yeah we and we have to make sure that they are taken care of but like is it still equally important if you think well i don't own a house i don't have kids i don't have a lot of assets well you know what even if you went to an attorney and he just made a generic statement a generic Mm -hmm. will that if anything happens to me i leave it to carol if anything happens to me i'll leave it to sean if anything happens to the both of us together my parents uh he could contain that down to a one to two page document Mm -hmm. going to a funeral home and sitting there speaking to a funeral director is different because now you're going to get into the nuts and bolts of what you really want to do. Yeah. And that may be something that your parents should look into mm-hmm. because they've yeah. gone through all of this already. And I guarantee you, if you look through their papers, there's nothing in there about their final wishes. Or it may be something so generic that I want to be cremated when I die that they're really coming into a funeral home and telling me that means nothing. Right, because right. All cremation is is the final thing that we do with the remains as a, as a point of disposition. Right, and where do the remains go? We didn't yeah. say, and now we don't know. Are we going to have any kind of services? Do you want to have a gathering at the funeral home? Do you want to send out notices to your mm. friends that, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Actually, you just reminded me of something else I read about um, as we were preparing to t- chat with you. Um, I know that funerals are getting... Um, more personalized these mm-hmm. days and uh they like people are just funeral homes are more open to people uh going off on their own weird thing for, right. <laughs> for their funerals right. what's the the sort of craziest funeral you've seen do you mean like people are having like, well, like i love friends we're having a friends i read funeral. i read an article well i read an article where a, a woman had her her, her mom's cookware uh oh, brought in all right, all right, all right. to display because I, she was a big cook do you and, guys have a lot of that oh sure Sure. It now today what it is is this is the reposing room that you folks have chosen. Mm. It, it suits your size of the family and meets your needs. Do what you want to do. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay, cool. Yeah, before nothing is off key anymore or off color. Uh, it, caskets now have the Yankee logo on the back panel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, have uh, oh funerals God. overall gotten more celebratory than they are? just yeah. sad or, or we're, we're rounding that corner mm. where uh, there have been a number of incidents where the funeral itself was simple uh, with a cremation and some uh, life speaker uh, present and then a huge bash at a local restaurant mm-hmm. ah. you know the, the the wine of food flowed yeah. all afternoon and they probably spent three times what they did on yeah. the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think that's what I would like. Something yeah. like a party with my friends for my friends. It's and it's heading off in such a direction. I mean, I could have your ashes shot out into space. <laughs> I could God. have them blown up in fireworks from a from e- a boat. More like Elon Dust. <laughs> come on. Oh. Come on, high five me. Right. We're married. <laughs> That, was that in our vows that I have to high five you, you every time you say something? Every stupid. time I say a stupid joke. Um, oh, do you want to do? Uh, let's, we should probably 
let them get out of here soon, right? Can All right, we'll do, do we'll, we'll do the last questions? two things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to do uh, how our bodies are failing us this yeah, week? Yeah, let's do how our bodies are failing us this week, and then uh, don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, so how our bodies are failing us this week is where Sean and I lament uh, that we are getting older and things are falling apart. Um, we, <laughs> you, you guys, <laughs> Bobby, we welcome you to join us <laughs> yeah. in this in this it's endeavor. So fun. Um, I'll go first. Yep. Uh, in just so I'm uh, I'm 42. I'll keep saying it, even though Sean tells me not to. I did not say it jokingly. <laughs> I don't care. Um, I'm, I'm 31. Nine. Yeah. Yeah. 31. Nine. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, so I'm, I'm 42. I'm not, not, you know, I'm not in menopause yet for sure. <laughs> Um, but I now sweat at the drop of a hat. If I, I have to walk upstairs at work. Once mm. I get to the top of the stairs, I'm sweating for no reason and then I just have to deal with that for the rest of the day that 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 happened and if I uh if I get the teensiest bit stressed pouring with sweat this never happened to me before and I don't know if that's like a pre-menopause thing like you just start but it and it's really not the sweating so much it's me wondering uh, am I is this menopause? Is and this now you're worried. Yeah, yeah. But now the and then, then I sweat more, sweating. obviously, yeah. while wondering about that. So that is how my body has my failed life me. salinity is going <laughs> up. Uh, but what I, I can't tell you, Carol's at 64. Uh huh. It's all downhill from 42. <laughs> <laughs> it just gets worse. Oh great! <laughs> Yay! Oh, so he's gonna have a good. Wait, one. no, downhill's the fun one. Yeah, that's, that's the right. fun. Yeah, <laughs> we get to pick up speed. Well, yeah. it, it was lucky that it was later in the day that we planned this little podcast because uh-huh. it took two hours to get out of bed, try and get those <laughs> joints moving again, eat a couple of Tylenol. Oh my God! Yeah, I can't. Uh, I get a stretch every day for about an hour because I had tendonitis two years ago. Two years ago, and there's basically there's no cure for it. It's just that's what I do. These now. are your legs yeah. now. Yep. Yep. Now I stretch every day. <laughs> um, uh, mine was uh, my what's happening to my body this week is uh, uh, I'm also an actor and uh, I was shooting a uh, a movie. Uh, was it Monday? Yeah, Monday. Monday. And I, had, uh, I was playing a cop. I was wearing a big flak jacket. I didn't know this about flak jackets. I, I, I think flak jacket, I just think Kevlar. And those flak jackets have these big, huge, heavy ceramic panels in them. And there's like four in the front and a bunch in the back. And, you know, I've got the tendonitis and my back was hurting. But uh, I was wearing that for like four hours. We finally wrap up around midnight. And uh, I just, I push, just took it off. And it was really quiet. It was this empty warehouse in the middle of, uh, uh, out in Brooklyn. And uh, the crew is running around just exhausted picking things up nobody's talking and i just bent over and it went and i went ah and it sounded like i was in agony but it was such a good feeling it felt so good to get that off and i was like i i stood up and i just looked around it was like this is the rest of my life is Do you readjust your pants for yeah, five minutes yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rest of my life is pop and ah oh, yeah yep uh, do, do you have uh, any anything you want to add, or just the downhill? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I don't want to paint myself into a corner. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so uh, Bobby's body is not failing him at all this week. That's what we've learned. Yeah. Congratulations, sir. Uh, we, yeah, we were talking about uh, before we started. We were talking about uh, uh, how is the family business goes back into the 1800s and. Uh, for a moment, they were talking about it a little too close to the present tense. Like, oh, great grandfather, uh, you know, he used to say this and then. I was like, are you vampires? <laughs> how, how would you know what your great 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 grandfather? I've been in this business for five. I mean, my family's been in this business, <laughs> yeah, 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 for five yeah. but I'm definitely not a vampire. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, let's wrap things up with. Um, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, this is a good one. Yeah, this is. So this is the. Um, we'd like to close the show out with something hopeful, even though we've been talking about 
dark topics or topics that are scary sometimes yeah, but this has been lovely episode. i've had a good time i have too uh, this has been amazing and uh so but uh yeah here's where we talk about something we saw did experienced uh in the last week that gave us a little little boost a little bit of hope yeah little moment yeah um do you want to go first yeah mine was a so uh not quite sure when this podcast is coming out but uh just so you folks at home know we are recording this uh right after the presidential election and however you voted uh you know we half the people you know are really upset maybe more um and in my office in particular it uh wednesday was a dark day and uh mention where you were oh okay so i work at the late show with stephen colbert and so the it was sort of very like because it's like where do you work the post office i don't understand (laughs) why is everybody um but you know we had our morning meetings and there were it was it was good people talked they expressed a lot of things but it was very emotional and um then a little bit later in the day uh you know you don't you don't chat with the boss very often. You know, mm-hmm. he's got hundreds of people who work for him. He has to do a show that night. That night in particular, he has to do a live show where yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of people are going to be looking to him to see what he has to say. Locked and um, so he was sort of, uh, he was walking around all day in an American flag shirt and little cat ears on his head. Um, he was just in kind of a, like a, almost like a silly, I'm going to make everybody feel better mood. Yeah. And there was one point where I, um, had stepped into this little kitchen area and I had my headphones on and I was actually talking to you, Sean. And I don't remember what we were talking about, but it, we were probably having a serious conversation about something. Probably death. Uh, um, <laughs> probably. Because I think I must have had a very somber look on my face and I'm like kind of pacing in this kitchenette area talking. And then I turn around and look and across the hallway, probably 50 feet away from me, uh, my boss, Stephen, is standing there in his cat ears and American flag shirt. And he's staring at me. And I... I I stare back at him and he, he points and I point back at him and then he, he makes a little okay symbol like that with his fingers. And I still, I'm, I'm like, I'm not sure what he's trying yeah. to communicate with <laughs> are you, me. Are you drunk? What's and, going um, on? So I take my headphones out and I'm like, well, everything. All right? He's like, are you okay? And I thought that was very sweet that he saw me ah. having this sort of tense conversation and he wanted to check on me. And I was like, Oh uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Uh, are, are you okay? And he's standing there in the American flag and cat ears and, uh, he pauses and looks down thoughtfully and then looks back up and says, I'm a pretty kitty. And then he just walks away. <laughs> and it was delightful. And that, that made me very happy. Everything you've ever said about that place is very positive, especially him. He seems like the nicest man on earth. He walks around singing. It's ridiculous. Uh, he's he's a delightful human. Uh, well, my don't worry about it this week is, you know, it's re- industry related. Carol and I, uh, we're, we were shooting a, a, our pilot. We have a, one more day of shooting, but uh, it was last week. And... Uh, <clears throat> It's going to be great, by the way. <laughs> TV's Frank is in it from Mystery Science Theater 3000, Janelle James, uh, James Urbaniak eventually. It's going to be super duper. Um, but uh, we were, we, you know, we're doing this on our own. We, we're we financing it on our own, and we're it's friends pulling in favors. But, you know, we had a full crew there. We had to rent a van. We had to rent a car because about two people who live in their car, so we had to have a car. <laughs> um and, you know, at the end of the day, we send the other actors home and the crew gets home, gets sent home. And Carol and I now have to take this van across the river. And it was the day of the New York City Marathon. Oh. So it was just the we just didn't think about that. Yeah. And we're trapped we, in traffic for like two or three hours. Got to get a car back to uh, by LGA and a van somewhere in the middle. Like when was Woodside. It? Woodside? It was Woodside. It was Woodside. And uh, and still have to drop off tech stuff. So we find it by, like we get trapped in so much traffic. We drop off the car. We have just boxes of stuff. And at the end of the night, it's like ele- we're, it's like eleven thirty. We finally drop off the the van, 
and uh, we still have pizza from lunch. And uh, you and I were just sitting. We were just we were sitting in the trunk of the the van, the the back of the van, with our legs uh, dangling and eating this gross. Like I think we got like Dominoes or something. Cause yeah. Right. Oh, it was, Papa John's. Oh, it was Papa, oh, it was John's. Papa John's. It was horrible. It was really bad. Uh, and, uh, they are a sponsor of our show, and they are wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was bad because it was cold then. But yes. like we're just. It was really sweet. The two of us were sitting in this van, eating pizza after we'd been shot the second day of this thing that we've been waiting to shoot for years. And you and I were, uh, we had this nice quiet moment in the total darkness. There was no lights. There's just, it's like pizza, my wife in a dark alley, <laughs> but it was, a, it was really nice. And it's like, all right, I could get used to this. It sounds like your autobiography. Right, pizza, my wife in a dark alley. <laughs> the story of how I lost my wife. That's what it would be. Uh, and Bobby, how about you? Well, um, our high point was uh, Halloween. Oh, I like yay. to go back before the election. <laughs> we live in a small nautical community here in the city, in the northeastern section mm-hmm. called uh, City Island. Which is lovely. Oh, Thank you. And that's one thing that City Island has plenty of is kids. And my <laughs> wife and I gave out 400 bags of candy. Oh, my what? God. Halloween night. Plus uh, oh. a sack of two we got from uh, Costco that we were doling that out the door. It just the friendliness and the the one day where mm. adults and kids all yeah. get to be kids and adults yeah. all at the same time, oh. it was great. Oh, I love night that. Night. Yeah. I, mean, I definitely, that is something we miss. In, yeah. In our, like, we have two kids that live down the hall from us. We live in East Harlem, and we gave them each a little plastic pumpkin, but that's it. You know, there's <laughs> no other kids in yeah. our building, yeah. so it's it was a little lonely. That's so great, that's though. Lovely, I, Bobby. That's nice to hear that. Yeah. Well, we yeah. should go to City Island for Halloween. I would year. love to. I would love <laughs> we'll to stop see. by your house and <laughs> ask might as well we won't we won't know the difference with 400 others but there's a ragamuffin parade at five so you better be prompt oh yes i love it that sounds like a blast um well uh thank you thank you so much um uh, this this has been stupid human suits with uh, robert ruggiero um the executive director of metropolitan Funeral Directors Association. I wanted to make sure to get that right. Um, um, is there a place if you do you want to leave uh, how people can get in touch with uh, your business? Oh, if, if we are advocates for funeral service, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to represent both our members and answer questions for the general public. Oh, so if anyone that's listening has questions specific and you would like to have a neutral position where I can't. Um, advocate for one funeral home or another i could mm-hmm. just answer your questions you can call us at 800-763-8332 or go online to met m-e-t-f-d-a for metropolitan funeral mm-hmm. directors association dot org and send me an email and i'll answer it for you that's that great great we'll put that on when we uh, put this up we'll make sure to great. put that on the yeah. uh, description thank you guys Bobby. thank you so much thank appreciate you. it this has been lovely this has been goodbye. stupid human suits goodbye bye bye-bye For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com.